0: It's that time, the betting predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the stats and analytics expert, Mackenzie Rivers. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Mack and Rivers. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Mackenzie, here we go. Thursday night football. We got the Bengals. We got the Jaguars right now. The Bengals, uh, they're going to be at home, McKenzie. They're laying seven and a half points. They are the favorite in this game. Currently have a total on this one of around 45 and a half, 46. McKenzie, I want to go ahead. I want to start out with the line on this game. Right now, Bengals minus seven and a half. So one opened up at six and a half. How do you feel about this current number right now that the Bengals are laying?
1: Well, to be clear, the look ahead was six and a half. So widely available number uh, last week. And then the open, the world open that I track for pregame.com. Uh, We tracked at seven and a half Sunday afternoon, which makes sense if you watched football Sunday morning and watched the Jaguars despite a kick return touchdown from a missed field goal. 68 yards. By the way, people think that's crazy. Like you can never possibly hit a 68 yarder because the record was 63. You watch these guys in practice, they, they make 68 yarders all the time. Not like more than 50% but they you you can make a uh, 80 yard field goal probably maybe not 80 maybe 70 for sure i've seen i've actually seen Todd Saubrin, a punter for the Broncos hit a 75 yard field goal I mean, he's just a big strong guy he's not a kicker he doesn't have accuracy he wouldn't hit 50% of his kicks but anyway 68 yards is not crazy although i did think it was a bad decision because of what did, what could and did happen the jaguars returned the touchdown for one of the few points that they scored that day and then the Bengals do work against the Steelers. I don't only threw the ball 18 times, just controlled the game with the run game and their defense. Impressive in that regard. So yeah, I think the adjustment from six and a half up to seven and a half made sense to me. I, I think that it, it ticks up, but I'm not rushing to the window to lay big points with a team that just threw the ball 18 times and you know really relied on their defense to beat the Steelers 24-10. I think you mentioned two things there, McKenzie, that we have to talk
0: about. You said that the Bengals relied on their rushing game and the Bengals relied on their defense. How long has it been since they've been able to rely on those two things and not their quarterback and their wide receiver core? And go back to Andy Dalton. He's had guys to throw the ball to. Farther. Right. Farther back. Right. You can go back to Palmer. You can go back. You can go back even further than that. I mean, they've had guys, you know, to able to move the ball up and down the field. The defense really hasn't been the strength for them. And the, the rushing game really hasn't either. I mean, you got to go all the way back to like Rudy Johnson kind of days, you know, to find a a, a competent running back. So the fact that they have a running game, the fact that they have a defense right now that I believe that they can rely on. It's not that I'm rushing to the window either, but I do believe that we can go ahead and use the Bengals in in certain types of wagers. You know, this particular week, whether it would be, you know, a teaser, play them on the money line, maybe use them in a survivor pool. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with the Bengals this week. I don't think seven and a half is a number you know, typically that we like to go ahead and lay. But why don't we talk about the defense for a little bit there, McKenzie, because I think that's one thing that we have to kind of figure out with this Bengals team is the defense for real. Because I feel like they are a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, they were ranked, I want to say they're ranked like sixth right now in rushing defense, giving up around 78 yards per game. That's really good. And they're going to go up against a team who, the Jaguars have been known at least the last couple of years to try to rely a little bit on that rushing attack because their quarterback position, you know, really hasn't been that good. I'm not necessarily sure where their passing defense is at. My guess is probably somewhere mid-pack, and that's good. I mean, the Bengals came into this season, McKenzie, as one of the teams who had a defense that wasn't very good. It was one of the problems for that team. And if they are upgraded on that side of the ball, that really worries me for Jacksonville, who, I believe right now, McKenzie, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, they have probably maybe one of the top three lowest scoring offenses in the league. So it sounds like you're looking, McKenzie, right now, maybe at some Bengals defensive stats. Is there anything that you see in front of you that kind of you know perks your ears up a little bit?
1: Yeah, looking at EPA, sixth overall EPA per play in the league on defense, both good in both run in the run and the pass. You mentioned their, their passing defense, ninth. That's pretty solid. I mean – some of it has to do with going up against the Bears, but Andy Dalton put up numbers in the first you know, three quarters of that game. And then Roethlisberger, that's, that's a question mark right now. So I was surprised to see that their defense is decent, 6th in the league. The Jaguars, the opposite, 29th overall by EPA on defense, and 2nd to last when it comes to EPA against the pass, defending it. So... Impress- impressive stuff by the Bengals. So I was listening to Locked On Jaguars, and I listened to both for this podcast, Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Bengals. I'll just say I'd recommend the Locked On Jaguars uh, as content to listen to. And the guy that was hosting it, Tony Wiggins, he's he just asked the question, why are the Jaguars 0-3 and the Bengals 2-1? Like, just point blank. Like, they both have a young QB that should start in the NFL, should be starting caliber in the NFL. All reports coming into the season said. They both had a bad defense last year, and they both yeah, uh, you know, they both have skill position players. You, you, the receivers and the running backs both very good for for both teams. Maybe Joe Mixon's better than James Robinson, but I don't think by a large amount, neither does he. And he said it's just because the coaching and the, and the mentality that they're signing tight ends to, to play. Didn't this team sign a huge free, free agent tight end name called Tim Tebow and cut him? And now, still, they, now they still need to bring in more tight ends to like see who can fit into the system. He said it was just a big tryout. That made a lot of sense to me with the way, I mean, just think about how frustrated Urban Meyer is right now with his players. He's like releasing guys, trading guys, signing random free agents that they had all summer to look at. So that's why you mentioned Survivor. I think I really want to use this podcast as a sounding board because is there a reason why I don't call your friend and mine, Dan Rivera, and say, hey, let's do this Survivor podcast early this week. Let's get the Bengals on Thursday. We're not going to want to use them again. So let's just rip it and go because I don't see the Jaguars with with the chaos going on, going up to Cincinnati and beating them on Thursday, short week. I mentioned this on Dan MyPod, which isn't really a podcast because it doesn't go to iTunes or Send anywhere, but it's on SoundCloud. You can find it on my Twitter. Dan Rivera and I do a Survivor pick every week, one pick or three, no obviously. Otherwise, the pod would shut down. But but, but like, why, why not? I mean, I was mentioning this on Thursday. Yeah, I was saying 61 and nine straight up if you're just a six point favorite or better on Thursday. Thursday's favorites win. If you're an eight point favorite, 42 and four straight up. On a short week, I don't see the Jaguars rallying the troops and beating a fully prepped at home Bengals team who, by the by, by, the by if you bet on them on the money line, every primetime game. They're known as a primetime game, primetime uh, uh, loser. They're, they're, they have a terrible straight-up record. You're actually profitable. It's been such a shocker that the Bengals could win on primetime that you're actually profitable since 2007, I believe, when I pulled it up, betting on the money line on the Bengals every single time. So they actually, against expectations, and they also have a winning record against the spread, against expectations, the Bengals are actually not a primetime uh, Lilliputian they're actually all right. They're actually a decent team, so that that keeps me away from not from that using that excuse not to pick the Bengals in Survivor. I'm definitely considering it. What what do you think? I mean, they could lose, it's possible. It's it's not like they're a juggernaut.
0: I think the first thing you have to think about McKenzie is the motivation for the team that's going in there and if the Jaguars are going to be more motivated than the Bengals because I think typically that's when you, like when you get like these bad teams and that's something that you know, I always alert people to is are they as bad as their 0 and three record indicates? Should they be 0 and three? You know, should they be you know three and zero or one and two or two and one or whatever? Are the Jaguars a 0 and three football team? And I get to honestly tell you right now that they are. And let me rip off a couple of reasons why. Number one, their defense is allowing like thirty points per game. That's one of the reasons, Mackenzie, why why they're not winning. That's one of the reasons why on that Jacksonville podcast, you know, to answer that guy's question what's the difference between the Bengals and the Jaguars? Well, to me, it's the defense. Coming into the season, we might have thought they were even, but they're clearly not. You know, that Bengals defense, you know, they, they went up against running backs like Dalvin Cook, Montgomery, uh, Najee Harris. And those are three good running backs that were drafted, you know, probably top 12 running backs in your, in your fantasy leagues. But I have to ask myself, Will the Jaguars be motivated for this game? Well, I think that they better they better be. Um, you're 0-3. You're going on the road against a team who, let's just say, McKenzie, if, if the Jaguars put it all together and they bring their A game, they're going to be in the game. Um, the Bengals aren't that powerful of a team. At least I don't believe so. But I also think the Bengals come into this one ultra motivated, maybe even more motivated than the Jaguars. You have to wonder how the Jaguars are feeling right now you know, with the way the games are going, especially last week. I feel like that was a gut punch for them. The fact that they were up nine and then turned around and they lost the game by like 11 points, that had to be a gut punch to them. They were like, you know what? We're going to beat a team that uh, has made a lot of noise, that has good wide receivers, good defense, really good quarterback. We're going to beat these guys. And then everything just fell apart. As for the Bengals, they go up against a team in Pittsburgh who they've really struggled against that team. And the fact that not only did they beat Pittsburgh, but they beat Pittsburgh on the road. They held them to 10 points. And they actually, in, in fact, they kicked their ass in Pittsburgh. That has to motivate the Bengals that they're, they are better. And although Burrow is kind of being eased into, you know, everything that's going on, I think it takes us back to that, that defense and the rushing attack. Joe Mixon's looked really good. So I don't see how the Bengals probably don't come in here maybe even the more motivated team and if you look at their schedule and let's just take a couple games uh the jets are in there i think the lions are in there i know green bay's in there too but the bengals could realistically go you know 5 and 3 6 and 2 over their first eight games i don't think that that's out of the cards especially the way that they're playing motivation something that you have to measure first so as I'm just talking through this Mackenzie how are you feeling about the motivation right now for both teams because I think that that's where everything has to start that's what's going to set the tone
1: I think you nailed it I think it's a maybe life-changing would be would be extreme but it's a franchise-changing event to go into Pittsburgh and dominate them high draft pick Najee Harris 14 carries 40 yards and this just clinched it for me Bengals second against the run by EPA, it's funny, I looked at every stat, but that. The Jaguars are a team that doesn't want Trevor Lawrence dropping back every single time. He's historically inaccurate. By the way, as are fellow rookies, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, if you go by completion versus expectation. But they ran 29 times against the Cardinals for 5.5 and scored 19 points. If they run 29 times, or they probably won't be able to, if they run 20 times for three yards a carry like they did against Najee Harris, they're going to get dominated. They, they're going to lose... I mean, I think they'll lose by by margin, but they, they will have a very hard time winning in Cincinnati against that rush defense that has to be thrilled. Like, they just, you know, I mean, there could be a letdown. I don't think so with a young team like this that's never good. to dominate the line of scrimmage against the Steelers. It's got to feel great.
0: I think it's going to be super hard, too, considering the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are the worst team in the league when it comes to the turnovers. They're minus eight in turnovers right now. The Bengals are... What are they, even or minus one in turnovers? But I don't don't see how you can go on the road with that particular defense against a team that's motivated. And if you turn the ball over like they did last week, more than likely this could turn into a buzzsaw type of thing here, McKenzie. I made my line minus nine. And I feel that that's the line that I would feel the most comfortable with to not want to bet the game. Now, even at seven and a half, I typically don't like laying seven and a half, especially in primetime games. I believe my own conspiracy theory on why I particularly don't like betting favorites.
1: A lot of us believe you. A lot of us agree.
0: We won't, we don't have to get into it. Right. But, but so, so I'm not the only one. But why even lay seven and a half? Why not just use them in a teaser, get them down to minus one? If they lose, well, then they lose. And, and there's... There's there's nothing you could really do about that. But, you know, the back door could be open in this particular game because do we know if the Bengals' defense is for real? And at some point, I think you'd agree with me, Mackenzie, that the Jaguars' offense is due to kind of wake up. I mean, yeah, yeah, they have a decent offense. I mean, Robinson's there, Chenault's there, DJ Chark, they got Jones. Uh, Lawrence, and, and I'll give credit, you know, where credit's due to Lawrence, he looks like he could be a leader. I saw him last week. He made a couple throws. Some of his guys made some impressive catches um, to help him out. And there there seems like there's a little bit of, you know, leadership and some uh, some teamwork that's going on. So I don't want to just throw the guy in the trash. I mean, I, I think he'll be okay. But, you know, there's a lot of things that need to work out for Jacksonville, whether it's the coaching, the defense, the offensive line. Um, that That's a question too, McKenzie. Could we look into that really quick? Because that was one of the reasons why I was going to consider – going ahead and using the Bengals in a couple other areas, but I was more or less looking at the at the Bengals' uh, rushing attack, and I was looking at the Jacksonville rushing attack. Where is the Jacksonville Jaguars' offensive line you know, as of right now this season? Because I have a feeling right now that the Bengals' defensive line is actually, is actually good. I think they're actually really good. I don't want to say really, really good, but I think they're really good compared to last year. And if that Jacksonville Jaguars' offensive line has given up sacks, um, they're not allowing James Robinson to run, then I would think that the Bengals win here at home in the trenches, and it's just another you know another tick mark in favor of the Bengals. So I don't know what you're seeing right now uh, with that Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line, but is there anything that raises any concerns, any red flags?
1: Huh? The Bengals do have the 28th pass blocking grade by Pro Football Focus. Jaguars 17th. And somehow they've been able to run without, with only the 25th best rush blocking, the Bengals, Jaguars 27th by Pro Football Focus. But, you know, Pro Football Focus also has Jalen Hurts in their top 10. So let me look at the actual sacks, because I don't really think necessarily. I mean, this is a lot from priors, you know, last year, that consideration. So let's see. In three games, Jaguars are the Bengals. Okay. Yeah, they've allowed nine sacks in three games. The Vikings got them five times and the Bears got them four times. But against the Steelers, you know, last year at least, one of the best rushing rushing uh pass rushing attacks in the game and with TJ Watt, zero sacks. Zero sacks against the Steelers. So that that's in their favor.
0: So what I'm thinking about doing here, McKenzie, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I do want to talk to this for a minute because I feel like this is a potential uh, maybe best bet prop that I'll give out. Like if I'm going to give something out, I want to give something out that I feel really strong about. For sure. And although I, I feel strong that the Bengals are going to win the game, not necessarily sure if they'll cover, but I feel like with what I've seen with Joe Burrow for the first three games is that they're bringing him along extremely slow. And in order for them to get ramped up, they need to get him going. And with the wide receiver core that he has, with the way the defense has been playing – you can go out there and you can afford to let Joe Burrow just to go out there and let him let it rip. Maybe he turns it over. Maybe he gets sacked. But they probably feel like if there's a, an opportunity for us to let Burrow go out there, get comfortable, uh, you know, get his mind right, get his game right, this has to be the game. Do they need Joe Mixon to go ahead and run the ball? Yeah, sure. I mean, they're going to use him every, every now and again. But the way that that Jacksonville Jaguars defense is, and I don't know if this is something you can look up, McKenzie, I'm curious how many plays teams have run against that defense. And if they could get, you know, maybe the Bengals, you know, running 70 plays in this game, don't be shocked if we see Burrow throw it, you know, 30, 35 times in this game just to get him comfortable. One of the props I'm looking at, and I believe a lot of it has to do with, you know, Joe Burrow's probably his last two games. He threw for 207 yards and he threw for 172 yards in his last two games. Right now his quarterback prop for – passing yards is at 242 and a half now look I, I understand that that it's it's Joe Burrow and he hasn't looked good but this these are the times where you want to buy a low in a particular situation that either he's going to throw a lot because he needs to or there's a reason why you believe that he may throw a lot because he needs to and I believe it's kind of you know what I just laid out so I don't see any reason why the Bengals don't come out here throwing with Burrow and continuously probably trying to do that until the game is probably out of reach.
1: I like it a lot to answer your question. 69 plays per game against the Jaguars, been unable to get off the field. That would be fourth in the league. The, so the team that faces the Jaguars is fourth in the league in plays per game. Again, Jaguars can't get off the field early. That's why they're trading quarters, signing tight ends off the street. They don't necessarily know what they're doing at the moment.
0: It's funny, too, because Trevor Lawrence is actually lined five yards higher than Joe Burrow right now, and I don't believe Joe Burrow's accuracy is as bad as Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Joe Burrow's accuracy, although he hasn't thrown a ton, uh, he's thrown, what, 74, 63, 77, his completion percentage over three games. So uh, I don't believe Burrow's going to have much problem here, probably completing passes. I believe believe they probably think that they need to go ahead and, and really push him you know, to go ahead and and get them to that next level, whether it be mentally, physically, uh, anything. Um, But I could honestly see Burrow having a monster game here. And then there's a lot of conversation about, you know, how bad's Big Ben and and how good is Burrow right now? How good are the Bengals right now? Uh, Three and one, you know, leading the division, you know, what's going on, da-da-da-da-da. And then it's it's a feel-good story for a team that um, is going to have, you know, a couple easy games over the next couple weeks. And then they're going to end up hitting, uh, you know, they they got a rough stretch, you know. And I think that that's what they want to avoid. Like, if they lose this game, McKenzie, they're just the same old Bengals with, you know, with. Right. Yeah. So 100%. they want to avoid that. And I believe that you probably believe that this isn't the same old Bengals team, that this is a team that, you know, that they they're, they're growing. Um, they're young. I mean, T Higgins is what in the league and what now two years chase in their one year burrows there, you know, two. Yep. Uh Mixon finally broke out, took him a little while, but I believe a lot of that had to do with the offensive line and their defense over the last, I don't know, I guess you could say three or four years, you know, it's just, it's been inexperienced. It's been bad and it's been young and they probably have made the right, you know, the right moves. So I think this Bengals team's growing and I don't think that this is a look ahead situation or a letdown spot for them. I know Pittsburgh's a big win, but if you lose this game you become the same old Bengals and last week could have just been a fluke. I don't think they want to think that. I think they want to think that we are far better than anybody thought we were and uh and we're working, you know, we're working extremely hard to go ahead and improve that. So I can't get to the Jaguars here at any number McKenzie. Honestly, I don't think I would even take them at two touchdowns because I think there's a chance that they could get blown out if they start getting down on themselves in this game. Maybe Burrow goes out there and he gets on fire. Maybe there's some turnovers, some sacks, and it starts getting away from him. I just wonder how much fight the Jaguars have. And I think this is something that we should probably look up. Where you were talking about, oh, they're trying out tight ends and this, that, and the other. You know, was there ever an agreement, you know, going into the season? Like, look, this is a two year build, kind of like John Gruden. Like, when John Gruden went to the Raiders, it was, I believe it was understood, at least from everything that I heard, you know, in the reports, it was like, you're okay here, dude. Like, you're all right. The next five years, get us to Vegas, get the team together, get the fan base going. No matter what happens, you're our guy. And I haven't really heard that with with Urban Meyer. But I wonder if that's kind of, you know, the the mentality right now with that team is that no matter what happens, because you're saying like he's letting people go. He's trying to get this. He's trying to get that. Like that gives me kind of the sense that it's either panic button or they actually said, here you know, here's how much leash you have, dude. So I don't know if you heard
1: anything about that, but... Just looking it up right now, it's very interesting. I mean, most coaches' contracts are, are semi-confidential, uh, but they get out. Urban Meyer's, it says, like, top sentence, undisclosed contract. That tells me he probably does have some leash, and they don't want to say, yeah, if we, if we fired him for any reason, we owed him $40 million over the next five years or something. That's what, that's what it says to me, that he does have that leash, and that makes a lot of sense with the decisions that he's making. By the way, Joe Burrow, eighth in the league in completion percentage above expectation. That's good. You know, as you're sitting there talking, Mackenzie, I'm just starting to think about something, is that if you
0: look at the Bengals four years ago, let's just say, actually, let's go back to like three years ago, maybe even last year, when that guy said, that the jungle, what's the difference between the Jaguars and the Bengals? I think it's just a year or two of maturity. Like this Jaguars team reminds me of the Bengals from two years ago, three years yep. ago, last year. That's who they remind me of. They got young guys out there. They got young wide receivers, young quarterback, uh, a defense that's not that good. And we saw how that played out for the Bengals. Um, it didn't. It didn't look good, and didn't you know it didn't play out well.
1: You came to the exact same conclusion that the Locked On Jaguars guy did. That the coaches are w- are more experienced in the NFL. So it's funny to say about Urban Meyer, but he's he's not he's young in the league.
0: And he's going to need time. I mean, that dude's got an amazing football mind. He's going to need some time to go ahead and get in there and say, you know what, like, uh, these theories that I have don't work. This worked. Um, This guy's good. This guy's not. Like, it's, you know, just, you know, from having family in the NFL that uh, it's it's a work in progress. It just doesn't come overnight.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I remember after the 2012 season where the Redskins made the – the then Redskins made the playoffs for the first time in, like, 10 years – uh, I was talking to my uncle about Robert Griffin, the third, and he's like, it's the very beginning of his progression. Like he's going to just get better and better. Cause uh, you know, we're just, we just, it's the beginning of what he's going to be. And if you, if you look at rookie first year, s- second year quarterbacks this year, it's like, none of them are good. Like zero of them are good except for Justin Herbert ninth in the league, by the way, by completions above expectation and Joe Burrow. Other than that, I mean, where's the good Tua's not even playing. Jalen Hurst has not been good. Rookie quarterbacks, I don't know if this is been unsaid. It's kind of an eye-popping stat that I haven't heard out there, but 0-9 against the spread this season when they're facing not-rookie quarterbacks. It's like 10 points a game against expectations. People think that, oh, you know, 7-on-7 seven seven drills, quarterbacks are better than ever. We were talking a bit about this before, the, before we started recording, and I think you have a great keen point here about how the draft is changing things, and we're just expecting these guys – To be veteran quarterbacks and they're not. You know
0: what I think, Mackenzie? I think next year we should put fifteen hundred bucks together, enter the super contest, and just fade all the first and second year quarterbacks and just see how that does. Um I'm guessing that one, I think these guys are are way way over drafted. I mean, I could go back to you know when when Sam Darnold, like it just it, it really just picked up. Like it was like, oh, this quarterback and that quarterback, you know, they're already starting with quarterbacks already. Uh, it, it, we're in what week three, week four, and they're already talking about next year's number one draft pick is going to be a quarterback. And I don't want to go out there and say that Spencer Rattler stinks, but it's players like that, that don't look good in the college game that they're not going to look good in the NFL. Um, it's going to take, you know, leaps and bounds for somebody like that to, to really make a mark. So I just feel like the quarterbacks that are going to be coming into this league, um, there's going to be one good one for every four bad ones. And eventually the quarterback position in the league is going to be, um, it's going to be a weakness. It's going to be the the highest paid uh, potential weakness of your team. And I I think we can make money potentially fading that or playing against that somewhere. And if if we have a chance to get a ticket into a big prize contest, um, I would consider that because, and look, I don't want to go throw any of these guys under the, under the bus or, you know, in the garbage or nothing like that, you made a good point. They, they have to grow, but it takes time. And the expectations in today's world, you know, it's a TikTok world. Everything has to be now. We want to see Trevor Lawrence go 3-0 and now. We want to see Justin Fields in his first start. Like the coach told you, Matt Nagy said, like, dude, this guy's not ready. I'm starting Andy Dalton. Like, why would you do that? So although everybody's like, you know, trashing Matt Nagy right now, he made the right call to put Andy Dalton in there. If you don't believe that, go back and watch the tape from last week. He was telling you like, I don't want to put this young kid out there to get killed, and unfortunately, he had to do that last week. Fields was sacked nine times. Like these guys who come into this league, I think it's just you better be really smart. You better have a lot of, of pro style uh, college stuff coming in the, into this league. You better have a really good coach. You better have a good offensive line and some playmakers. Otherwise you're going to struggle for a little bit at that position until these kids grow. So um, we're getting a little bit off topic. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and give that one to you guys for my best bet. I think Joe Burrow shows out tomorrow. I believe that that the Bengals put him in a position to go ahead and throw uh, for multiple reasons. So I'll go ahead. I'll do that over to 247 and a half uh, passing yards for him. Uh, Maybe the Bengals in a teaser. McKenzie, I'm not sure if you want to hit Dan up. But look, I I don't know where else you would go with your survivor pick, and and like you had mentioned, if you want to use a team like the Bengals, this could potentially be one of your only opportunities to use them where you feel really comfortable. And we didn't even talk about that. This is a prime time game. How many Bengals games are in prime time where they're at home? You don't get many of them. And coming off of the Steelers, coming off of a you know it's it's been two weeks actually it's been three weeks now since the Bengals have been home. No, they want to come home and, and, you know, see their fans and go, yeah, we haven't been here in a couple of weeks, you know, and we just beat the Steelers. Like where where's the praise at? We're going to go beat these bumps for you tonight. We're going to be three and one and all's going to be well. And Burrow's going to have a good game. And that's kind of how I feel. It's, it's another uh, circle the wagons, kind of blood in the water type of game uh, for me there, my kids. That's kind of what, what I'm thinking. You got anything to wrap up the podcast?
1: The Bengals are going to be like, love me nice, fans. Come on. I mean, we just beat the freaking Steelers. This is prime time. We're about to win. Yeah, I do like the Bengals uh, to win. I am going to call Dan and do the Survivor podcast. Knock it out right now. Also, my best bet, like last week, which by the way, we're you know two and zero again. You know, second week in a row. I like my best bet last week. I'm going to go a teaser. Get the Bengals down to one and a half, and the Chiefs. I do not believe will lose to Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. So that will be my best bet for the pot.
0: I can do uh I could probably do another podcast on the Eagles there, Mackenzie. I don't know if you saw the email that I sent to you today, but. Um, I missed it. I, I saw I saw the email, but I didn't read it. What did I say? I worry about the Eagles, man, with their size. I went and I looked, and, and Jalen Hurts is six foot one. They have four wide receivers. They have Quez Watkins. They have Greg Ward. They have Devontae Smith, and then they have um, Jalen Rager. They're like five eleven, five eleven, six foot, six foot. There's not a guy, a wide receiver that's over six foot, and you have a quarterback that's six one, trying to see over a line that has guys that are on that are six six and six eight. Like I wonder if they can see each other. And one of the things I noticed, you know, just going back and, and watching the Eagles games because I watch every play of every Eagles game because I'm pretty much forced to because my buddy's a diehard and we watch football together every weekend. He's like, I don't understand why Jalen Hurts is constantly throwing the ball behind the receivers. And I'm like, well, let's look at it. And I started looking, and I'm like, it looks to me, man, like he's just, he, these guys are too fast for him and he's behind. And I started thinking, I'm like, I don't even think he can see these guys. And by the time he sees them, he's throwing it and they're already zipping past him and he's always behind. So I worry about that. And I don't know if, if that's something that the Eagles have looked into, but you always hear about, you know, guys that are big, like DK Metcalf, you know, like if if you're going to have a, a a extremely small wide receiver core, it'd probably be wise to not have an extremely small quarterback uh, in front of a line that has some, you know, pretty big guys there. I mean, they need to be able to see each other, but that's a podcast for another day McKenzie with that said um, I don't see any props yet for Philadelphia, but I will recommend this play. And I'm pretty good at giving plays, you know, out a week ahead. Maybe look at Jalen hurts. Scrambling and rushing yardage for this week. I know it hasn't been good the last couple, but that's what we want to do. We want to buy as low as possible and find ourselves in a situation to where uh, you're going to get maybe a quarterback to run because his offensive line's banged up, and you know maybe he is struggling to see those receivers. So uh, take a look at that, but that's it. I'm going to let McKenzie go. He's got another podcast to do. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff to do. We'll be putting our college football uh, podcast out for uh, RJ's dream preview i gotta go ahead and do that so uh, a lot of work to go ahead and get done tonight but with that said you guys know where to find myself and Mackenzie on twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at mac and rivers and you guys can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on thursday night enjoy the game